The first ever European Games are officially underway in Baku. And while Boston 2024 preps its anticipated revised bid plan slated to be revealed at the end of the month, one professor tells Around the Rings that bid leaders have a tough road ahead. You're listening to the latest Sunday edition of ATR Radio. I'm Nicole Bennett. The Azerbaijani capital of Baku is buzzing with excitement over the 2015 European Games. A bus collision that took place just a day before the opening ceremony did loom over the allure of competition and left three Austrian swimmers injured. Baku organizers have since addressed their transport policy to prevent other accidents like the one that took place on June 11th from happening during the Games. Aside from transportation and even a few ticketing issues, European Olympic Committee's President Pat Hickey had nothing but positive things to say during his welcome speech on June 12th. Even pop music superstar Lady Gaga got in on the fun, performing John Lennon's Imagine during the opening ceremony. Around the Rings European editor Mark Bisson spoke with me on the heels of his return from Baku and the European Games. So, Mark, what was the atmosphere like there, and and were there any issues with your accommodations or internet access? Well, the the atmosphere is great. I mean, so far, so good. Uh, The the games have kicked off in style, a lavish opening ceremony costing $100 million, uh, so a huge expense on that. Azerbaijan has thrown money at these games, and we won't see the the like again um, in this European Games format, uh, surely. The venues have been well-built and well-designed, I think an issue for the organisers so far is, is the number of empty seats. There, there have been a huge number of empty seats at the venues I've attended in recent days, and that is a real burning issue now for organisers. I, I think they need to uh, sort out some kind of system where they bring in kids from, from local schools and they fill these seats. Um, that, that is uh, perhaps one of the issues uh, that they needs to be uh, resolved very quickly. Um, I think other issues with accommodations, transport, transport's been very good. The, the roads have not been congested. I think buses using the games lanes have moved uh, swiftly from uh, A to B, and the time timings have been pretty much uh, spot on. So I think organisers can be uh, well pleased with that side of things. You know, the, the media villages is quite a distance away from some of the some of the venues, um, and the, you know, sometimes there have been a few diversions for buses. I think the media are generally satisfied with uh, conditions at the media village a little bit better than Sochi last year but I, I also have heard that um, and seen for myself that you know the food is not great there the the, the arrangements for media in the in the rooms are, are pretty sparse so uh, I think that um, is an indication perhaps of uh, you know, working conditions could be a little bit better but um, the, the media workrooms at the venues are good wi-fi is a little bit slow but generally conditions for media are good and I think uh, from what we've heard so far, the athletes are enjoying the Olympic Village. Right. So you said empty seats in attendance has been maybe the biggest issue so far, biggest glitch so far. What are other things you've noticed, other challenges probably ahead for Baku? And I guess what are sports leaders saying about the games so far? Well, sports leaders I spoke to at the Fairmont uh, Flame Towers Hotel um, a few days ago, and, and, and they seem very pleased with with operations, um, you know, the, the federation leaders are pleased with their sports. And there is a, a good feeling in Baku about these games. It, it's taken 30 months, a record time for any games of this size to, to be put together. Um, and organisers have done a, a fantastic job. I think, you know, some of the burning issues are, have been outside of 
this games bubble. Uh, within it, the athletes, officials, Baku organisers are, are conducting affairs very well. But outside it, we've heard a lot about human rights issues in the in the run-up, particularly before the opening ceremony last week when several reporters were banned. Azerbaijan and the government have, have questions to answer there. The, the EOC has not been able to um, for, force the government to, to release any activists. or There's been very little pressure from the IOC or EAC on, 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 the, on these issues, but there's, there's kind of little that they can do, really. They're, they're involved in the organisation of these games. They're the ones that gave back these European games in December 2012. So, you know, the problem um, goes back to, to that date. So I think the issues ahead, really, for back in 2015 are, are the empty seats, are, are maintaining operations. The volunteers have been fantastic where, wherever we've been, I think. Um, at the venues, the, numerous volunteers, you know, that perhaps too many, but um, they've always been welcome and always been very helpful to, to reporters. And I think um, the media have appreciated that. Bus drivers and, and the cab drivers have been superb. So there's been a, a warm reception for, for all participants in these games, from the media through to spectators, um, officials and athletes. And I think uh, that's uh, got the, the games buzzing. You know, aside from that, um, of course, the Azerbaijani athletes have, have come in with some great medal uh, victories in, in recent days. Um, in the karate, Rafael Agabev is the Maradona of karate worldwide, and he uh, he's a four-time world champion, and he was uh, he was mobbed uh, the other day at the the Crystal Hall venue. Uh, so that was that was a big moment that uh, that I saw and witnessed firsthand, and uh, that was a Saturday. So you could call it Super Saturday, as I did in my in my piece. And I think um, you know these games are, have got off to a great start for for the home country. Did you get to see, um, by the way, Lady Gaga perform? I did. I, I did. Yeah. Well, it's not, yeah. I, I did get to see her perform. She, she was she was doing it on the piano, but she sat behind a bush. Well, the, the piano. When I say a bush, the the piano was covered in shrubbery. It didn't really kind of, you couldn't see much of her, and she was at the end of the, the end of the arena. So, and obviously, she was very tiny in in the seeing it, seeing it all live. But you couldn't actually see her very much on the screen. So it's it's kind of odd. And I I I, I don't think I I think she kind of she murdered the original uh, by John Lennon. But what did she sing? She sang Imagine by John Lennon. I bet I bet she did a fantastic job. Well, well, not for me really, but. <laughs> Not a Lady Gaga fan. No, I don't. I don't mind it, but I, I just, I just, um, I couldn't see, I couldn't see the point really. Of, I, I mean, it was all about peace and harmony. So I could see the, you know, there's the a general, the kind of general link to the to the games and all that. Um, I, I, I think perhaps, perhaps she should have done, I don't know, done her own song or something different. But I think John Lennon's song is hard to beat anyway. So that's true. Kind of untouchable. Yeah.
In other news, the race for the 2024 Summer Olympics should heat up at the end of the month when Boston 2024 reveals its revised bid plan. ATR spoke with an expert this week who, despite the fact that he hasn't read Boston's bid in its entirety, can tell the bid race will be an uphill battle for the city. Keith Gilbert, emeritus professor from the University of East London, has a background filled with experience working with Olympic Games. During the 2000 Sydney Olympics, Gilbert served as the assistant chef de mission for the Australian Paralympic delegation. He also lived in Boston for a year. So from from your perspective, what revisions can we expect or what revisions do you hope for in this revised bid? I spent a year in Boston um, on sabbatical at the Center for Studies of Sport and Society at Northeastern University. So I understand and I have some concept of what Boston's about. To be quite frank with you, I haven't read the bit, um, so I can't comment on that, what what changes or whatever would be made uh, in terms of uh, the problematics that they've had already. So I guess if it were me, I would be pushing tourism, the river, um, uh, Harvard, uh, the stadium at Harvard. Uh, I'd be pushing the, um, the fact that it's very close to uh, the Cape and also very close to Vermont. So it has all, all of those advantages. But in many ways, Boston is very much like Sydney. Uh, about the same size and the only thing that Sydney had for going for it at the time was the harbour. So in other words, if you ask yourself a question, what's the draw card for people to come to Boston other than the Olympics, you, you have to scratch your head a little bit and say, okay, well, maybe we've got a little bit of history um, here, there and everywhere and we've got the area where the, the fathers arrived on their boat and such and such and such, but in actuality, it doesn't have a lot going for it in terms of a draw card like New York. Well, the city of Boston is in competition with Budapest, Hamburg, Paris, and Rome. So, like you said, kind of from the outside, who of those cities do you think is a front runner right now? Paris and Rome have had it before. I think if you go by historically, and if you look at those people that have applied for uh, the Olympic Games, certainly the Winter Olympics, Pyeongchang, I think, applied three times, London applied a few times, and so on and so on and so on. So I think what happens is that it, this could be the first one for Boston, then we'll have to go again in the next round after they've revised it and taken a close look at it. Um, wasn't that the problem with Chicago? Well, it was put together well enough, but wasn't supported enough, I don't think. So, you know, Boston needs to take some um, ideas from the Chicago bid, from my viewpoint anyway, and take a look at, close look at what, what they did and where they went wrong and, uh, and so on. The front runner for me would be probably Paris, I'd say. It has everything going for it, doesn't it? It has the stadia and it has the funding, it's in Europe, you know, I wouldn't say Rome would have it. Go, going back a, a little, you mentioned them turning to Chicago to, to kind of figure out what not to do. What can Boston maybe learn from L.A. and even Atlanta in terms of what, what they did right? Boston had a, uh, sorry, Chicago had an amazing bid. It was a really good bid. 
in, in my opinion, uh, they, they were very corporate. Um, and all games are corporate nowadays. Um, and, you know, there's expectation from large um, corporations like Coca-Cola and McDonald's and uh, Omega and other places that that they will get you know good money for their you know a good good payment back for their money. Uh, what have we got in Boston? We've got Adidas in Boston, Reebok. Boston's a university town. Forty universities in forty square miles. It's not an industrial town. Um, and there's not a lot of large business in Boston. Boston, compared with those cities, Chicago and so on, is, is a small town really. The major problem is you have all of these facilities sitting in Boston, and when's it going to be used after? You know, Boston is a basketball, baseball, football town. Uh, the other sports aren't necessarily there, but uh, people would argue, I suppose, that if those stadiums and everything are left, then the legacy is there and people would move into them and things like that and use them. But, but, but the selling points are it's four hours to New York on the train, it's close to uh, uh, the Cape, um, it's very close to Vermont, um, it's close to upstate New York, um, and so on. So those are the selling points, I think. In terms of everything else, it's got a long way to go to beat the other towns. The city of Boston is in competition for the 2024 games with Budapest, Hamburg, Paris, and Rome. Boston and Hamburg both have plans for public referendums. Citizens of Hamburg will vote this November, and Bostonians will vote on the bid in November of next year. The IOC has set a September 15th deadline for 2024 bid applications. The host city vote is slated for the IOC session in Lima, Peru in 2017. In other bidding news, ATR has reached out to Almaty 2022 as promised, and had hoped to feature an interview with a delegate from their team this week. Stay tuned for more on that. Listen for an upcoming edition of ATR Radio this week featuring an interview with Mark England, Team Great Britain's chef de mission for the Baku 2015 European Games. And as always, be sure to check into Around the Rings online on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Nicole Bennett. Thanks for listening. <music>